Every Sunday we hear three Bible passages read out as part of the service, and we refer to these as readings, or more often as lessons. As one whose first occupation was as a student and then for many years as a teacher, the term lesson has a serious meaning for me. A lesson means something with implications and value beyond the experience in the classroom, something we can put to use. So when I think of the readings that are an important part of every Eucharist service, I know that they are to be considered offerings of ideas, values, information that will have significance beyond the ceremonies and fellowship of Sunday morning at St. Luke's. Today's readings have so many lessons enfolded in them that it would be a long classroom session to teach them all, but I want to try to suggest at least a few of the most striking ideas and to suggest some of the implications that are contained in them. The passage from Exodus contains at least three lessons. The story here tells of the journey of the Israelites out of the place of many years of bondage in Egypt. But the people are thirsty and they quarrel and they complain to Moses who's trying to save them from slavery and lead them to a new place of safety and independence. Our first lesson might be that even when we're being given an opportunity to free ourselves from doubt and from being bound into a difficult and restrictive life, we find something to complain about. We allow important but temporary setbacks to take over opportunities for more significant advantage. We can be consumed by the here and now and fail to look beyond. We also learn that even great inspirational heroic leaders can lose their tempers. Moses is exasperated by the Israelites he's trying to lead to freedom. He complains to God, what shall I do with these people? Moses wants to give up, but God explains how to solve their complaint. And Moses is able to give the people water by following God's advice. When we're ready to give up, we might learn from this. Letting go and following some guidance may show us a solution. It's hard to believe from this distance if God produced a magical water source or if with some insight and by moving on, Moses was able to find a spring of water. But the point is, Moses acted stopped arguing with the complainers, and moved on to a more likely location. And in so doing, Moses was able to demonstrate to his disgruntled followers that the journey was going to succeed. God did not just tell Moses to go off and solve the problem, but Moses was instructed to take some witnesses along so that he might reinforce his role as the one who could solve problems. The water sprang forth for Moses, and he had a group of respected men around him. If you're trying to lead, you need to demonstrate that you are leading. And the third thing we might learn here is that if God had wanted to work alone, he could have just said, stand back to Moses and the other Israelites and cause the spring of water to gush up right before them. Instead, he wanted Moses to be the instrument of his assistance. So he had the leader and his counsel go off to a more dramatic spot, had Moses perform some physical act, and only then did the water flow. It seems notable that God wants our participation in real situations. 
In a passage from the letter to the church in Rome, there seems to be one major lesson, and that is more of a recounting of who we once were, that is, those who were not very good and who acted cruelly and selfishly, and who we have become, that is, people who have been saved through the loving sacrifice of Jesus. And that is, in its own convoluted way, the lesson here. We don't expect good people to be sacrificed for us, but one perfect person was. Therefore, it's our obligation to remember that and to give thanks for that and to be better people as a result. A perfect person, Jesus, gave up life for me, for you. We should try to live like people who deserve it. In the gospel lesson today, it's, we hear a famous and richly instructive story. It's known affectionately as the woman at the well. It's been a touchstone of forgiveness stories, the subject of paintings and retold in short stories. A Samaritan woman encounters a Jewish man at a well in Samaria. The well is renowned for its historic association with Jacob and his son Joseph. It is near midday, a time when most women would not have come to the well. Since it was hot, they'd already come in the cool of the morning to get early water for their households and to share a bit of gossip and return home for the day's activities. But this woman, we soon figure out, is probably not one that most women in the town want to chat with or associate with. She has an unsavory reputation. And even so, this stranger, who soon demonstrates that he understands her reputation, asks her a favor. She is surprised, for it is unusual for Jews to associate with Samaritans in any way, since they did not share most religious beliefs and actions. But Samaritans knew and understood that the Jews, and possibly by extension the Samaritans, expected the arrival of a savior, a messiah. When the woman expresses surprise at his request, Jesus tells her she could have asked him for water, living water, water that would well up in her forever, bringing eternal life. Then he told her to go get her husband and bring him to the well, and she said, I have no husband, and Jesus said that he knew that, and knew that she had had many husbands and some who were never her husband. And she realizes that Jesus is a prophet and that the Jews are awaiting a Messiah. And when she mentions that to Jesus, he responds, I am he. Just then, as in any good drama, Jesus' disciples return from town and are amazed to find him speaking with a woman and a Samaritan woman at that. But Jesus reveals that she has recognized him and soon she has reported the encounter to the townspeople who come to see for themselves that the Messiah is among them. And they beg him to stay and teach them. And he offers them and us several lessons. The major teaching is that he and they and we need no longer wait for months until the harvest, but that the fields are ready now. And this woman, a stranger, a Samaritan, has recognized Jesus for who he is. Jesus is our teacher and our Messiah. We are needed by him for the harvest of salvation. In a way, we are all the woman at the well. We are all in some way sinners 
all in some way likely to have done things that we might be ashamed of. All of us are waiting and willing to recognize the Savior and might meet up with him when we least expect it. And when we do, we must be willing to say so and tell others so that they can find out for themselves as well. The crop is ready and there will always be a need for more workers. The stories in today's lessons are fairly clear. We can understand them without much effort. What's harder to do is to put them to work in our own lives. The analogies are almost too easy. We know what we ought to, ought to do, but oh, it's hard to put them into practice. We will always, I fear, find it far easier to understand our lessons than to pass the final exam which may well require stooping and thirsting and lifting and sweating. But if we get to this real work, we are promised the water of eternal life from this visitor from a distant place. Amen.